Johan Christofferson, he leads the World Rallycross Championship. He is on a run of seven finals and coming across the line, he's going to take his second win in a row and his sixth podium in a row. It's a brilliant result for the leader of the World Rallycross Championship. Absolutely fantastic. Outside the common tradition, we can see a pass between Hansen and Ericsson, but it is all about this man, Johan Christofferson. What a season he is having. Those stats are absolutely incredible and he has done it at home in Sweden. Hello and welcome back to Rallycross DNA in association with our kind sponsor, Slip and Grip Automotive. Uh, Slip and Grip Automotive are a UK-based motorsport event organiser and members club. They host various event types throughout the year at a number of UK locations, including track days, sprints, tarmac testing and social events. They're also the sole organisers for the Bont Rally Stage in Mid-Wales, a great tarmac stage providing great prep for crews before tarmac rallies in the UK or Ireland. To find out more, visit www.slippinggripautomotive.co.uk and the link is in the description of this episode. Uh, also, be sure to follow them on Instagram and Facebook. I'm just one of your hosts, Killian Cronin, and I'm joined as ever by the very capable Jamie Erkel. How are you getting on, Jamie? Grand, thank you, Killian. Grand, thank you very much, and uh, great to be back again. For sure. Uh, you may have noticed I said Rallycross DNA there, which wasn't a slip of the tongue, because this week, slip. <laughs> <laughs> this week we're delighted to welcome on the show, amongst other things, five-time FIA World Rallycross champion, Johan Christofferson. Johan, welcome along. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for, for joining us. It's, uh, it's nice to introduce a world champion on the podcast. Yeah, it sounds pretty nice to me as well. I mean, <laughs> it's also pretty incredible. So, yeah, it, it takes time to get used to it. It's almost that the that the numbers I keep counting before I even getting used to the numbers. I'm sure you won't ever tire of hearing it, hearing it either. No, definitely not. Yeah, it's quite <laughs> I was going to say, do you ever toy around with it and say that that's half a decade of world championship? Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. So, Johan, I suppose it would make sense for us to start at the, the beginning of your career um, and maybe even before that. Obviously, there's, a, you know, your your family is motorsport, I guess, really. So what were your kind of early influences growing up in terms of motorsport? You obviously had lots of exposure to it, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I am pretty much, you know, born in a service park, more or less. I mean, I, I'm born in December and I think I travel in down in Europe uh with my family in the tour bus or whatever it's called when my father was doing rallycross uh summer 89 the first time so i was like more or less five six months old uh when i when i joined the first rallycross race so uh, yeah and since yeah since then until 2008 uh, i was more or less uh, when i started to drive myself so i was more or less you know, uh, hanging around in the service park, where he's joining Papa on almost every uh, every rallycross event and, and STCC he did, um, and yeah, slept in the bus in the in the service park and you know play play around uh, with the other uh, drivers, kids and stuff, and you know on the bicycle. So uh, yeah, it's been uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, a lot of motorsport in my family since since I was young, but. Um, Actually, I mean, I always been very, very competitive, and I always wanted to to compete, and that was always my goal to to you know win whatever it is. So 
but there was no space in in the team or in the family to do a class for me or I wanted I started with uh, motocross when I was young about uh, 10 until I was 14 maybe uh, but then my mom thought that I didn't like it anymore because probably she thought that it was too dangerous <laughs> so she, she decided I, that I didn't think that it was fun so then I stopped with that and um, yeah, the competitive person I am, I, I started with cross-country skiing is, instead, which is pretty pretty big sport here in Sweden. So uh, yeah, I did that until I was 20 actually and was, was really, really trying to be the best I could ever be in, in uh, cross-country skiing. So I was in a special school for that and was training, physical training very, very hard for the last four years from 16 to, to I was 20. Um, so yeah, I actually have a couple of uh, national championship medals in cross country skiing as well. Am I correct, Johan, in saying that you were tenth uh, in 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 Sweden overall for for cross country Sweden uh, cross, cross cross country skiing back then? Yeah, but it was. I mean, that was I was com still competing in junior. You are junior until you are twenty. So I actually have some gold medals and I actually have a couple of medals as well. Uh, so some of the guys which are still active, uh, which is among the best in the world at the moment, um, yeah, I was competing against uh, them. So, uh, but yeah, I choose a different path and yeah, now we have world championships in different disciplines, me and my friends. <laughs> What was it like following? Did you have any uh, any anecdotes from following your your dad around in the early days in in the nineties, following the sort of the motorsport caravan around? Yeah, <laughs> many, <laughs> many. Any, I mean, any of course, it's uh, you know, I, I, two is straight away on top of my head since or three. Ah, oh, there's so many. It's unbelievable. I mean, you can imagine all the stories back in the days when there was no cell phones and there was no uh, GPS and we were traveling in the bus. Yeah, you know, you head off, you you go to Czech Republic to a, to a rallycross track and you start in Arvik, where we live in Sweden, and you start with a bus which shouldn't actually be on the road because it's so old and all the maintenance has been done on the rallycross car and not on the tour bus. So <laughs> the travels were, were very exciting sometimes. Um, one time, my uh, me and mom, uh, I don't remember exactly, uh, I don't remember because of that I was too young, but I actually don't remember also how old uh, I was uh, from being told the story when we stopped at the gas station in the middle of the night and uh, me and my sister and mom was sleeping in the back of the tour bus together with the mechanics. And then my father was driving, he stopped to fuel and then mom uh, had to go for the toilet so she jumped out uh, with me on the on her arm uh, changing diapers and going on the on the toilet and when she came back out with me on the arm and in shorts and t-shirt um my father left already <laughs> so he was he was keep driving yeah uh, I'm, I'm sure he's pretty proud that i'm telling this story on our, but well, yeah he was keep driving for an hour there was no cell phone <laughs> and then there was a police car chasing him for a couple of kilometers and then they eventually stopped him and asked if he on on german and papa couldn't really speak german either but he understood a little bit and then yeah they asked you know if we were missing someone and stuff like that and papa thought maybe they they think that we are smuggling people or something <laughs> it's all fine, it's all fine. And, and then he reminded himself that my sister has been uh at the steering wheel and, and telling him that 
mom and Yuan is not in the back. And he was like, ah, yeah, they are there. Go to bed now. <laughs> and then he reminded himself about that. And then he had to drive uh, one hour back with a head pretty low uh, <laughs> to find mom and, uh, and me standing on the gas station there. So that was a pretty, uh, pretty cool uh, moment then uh, between mom and dad, I guess. <laughs> it's like a, a motorsport home alone. <laughs> I like how they had to chase him for a couple of kilometers before this. Before it was, he just they couldn't catch him, or he just didn't want to stop. He's like, yeah. they can't be, they can't be following me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that was one. Another one is that I always used to to do some tricks uh, in the service park um, because of that. When I did some tricks, like for example, putting. Uh, Per Eklund's uh, sponsor stickers on Kenneth Hansen's cards, for example. Then I, got, then I got an ice cream from Ken. So there's plenty of those stories when I was, uh, yeah, trying to do some things to to gain some some ice cream money from Per. Uh, one of them was in Sweden. Hayes. There was always a like a dance party on the evening, Saturday evening, uh, and they build a stage or a small. They rolled uh, a trailer which the band was playing on. And there was like a dance party or whatever. People was dancing more, uh, uh, what is it called? More traditionally back in the days, yeah. probably. And uh, then I, I realized that I could try to do some fun there. So then I took the biggest cable I could find when I was seven and I unplugged the cable. So the whole stage, <laughs> all the music, all the lights, everything went completely black. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember I was seven years old and yeah, so that must have been 95. So then I got, uh, then I got 100 Swedish crones from Eklund, which is 10 euro. That was a lot of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there is plenty of, uh, very, yeah. And then there's another very good story as well. And my father and Per Eklund, they are from the same town. So, we are actually from here, but they were very, very hard competitors on, on track. And back in the days in Rallycross, there was some some contact on track uh, more than it is nowadays. And more black flags was handed out. And then uh, Pad and uh, my father, they had so many fights on track and it was always in the newspaper. And then Pad told at one point, uh, Pad told Papa that he's going to send him uh, to the moon. And then uh, I asked uh, Pei when I was six years old, why are you going to send my father to moon? And then my father had a T-shirt with I am an astronaut uh, on, the, on, uh, yeah, on the chest when he came to the next event. And that event, they also crashed on track. But my <laughs> sister and Per Eklund's daughter, they were very close friends. And we built a small uh, cottage, or what is it called? Like a small in the, in the forest. Like a dead or a yeah, exactly. Cabin. So they built something there, and they, you know, brought some sandwiches and some, you know, coffee and and some, yeah, drinks or whatever, like soft ice or yeah, something like that. And then they wanted to invite Pad and Papa after the A final. <laughs> so then they had to sit there, and you know, be be um, yeah, uh, acting like like proud dads <laughs> that they yeah, the daughter had <laughs> built this. And made these nice cinnamon rolls and stuff in the forest, and they were actually very, very, very angry at each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, to be a fly on the wall for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there is a lot of a lot of good stories from from those days. Did you have any particular favorite events to go and spectate when you were growing up, going around there with your father and your family? Was there 
was there a particular place you'd look forward to going to or were, were, were they all just great fun for a young lad getting to see a load of motorsport action? Yeah, I think there was, there was, but I mean, uh, of course, Hullius Sweden was, was one of the favorite ones because there was always more friends there. It was always, you know, all the family was always there. So there was so many friends to play with and it was, yeah, it was always a lot of people there and uh, yeah, just a, a great atmosphere. So always looked forward to go to, to Hullius in Sweden for that event. With that in mind, presumably you can't think of a point in your life where you didn't know or at least want to pursue a career in motorsport. It must have always been motorsport of some sort. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I always wanted to do motorsport, but I'm, I'm not a super motorsport geek. I mean, it's not that I enjoy watching motorsport and then really, you know, it's, I think if I did not get the opportunity to drive myself at the time when I did, when I was actually, yeah, I was turning 20 years old that year and had not done nothing before, no go-kart, nothing. I think that was really the last, you know, the, the last chance to get any sort of career in motorsport. Maybe I would have done, you know, on, on a lower level uh, if, I, I, if I didn't get the opportunity at that moment. But otherwise, I mean, I was really, really fighting hard to get as good as I could in cross-country skiing. Uh, I really enjoy ice hockey. Um, I like uh, table tennis. So basically, I'm pretty sure that I would do something with, you know, to compete in something. Because I always try to be the best no matter what it is. So I think I would always, you know, I get, during Corona time, that was... The best part was to be home at family, but the worst part was that there was nothing to compete in because there was no race. You couldn't join Dart, you know, on the local pub in Arvika or whatever. You couldn't go for a running competition. You couldn't go for bicycle. You couldn't do nothing because, yeah, that was the worst part of it, that you couldn't compete in anything. Were you challenging your family to, to random competitions throughout the day? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's every 10 minutes. I mean, I just came off the table tennis with my son Colin just now. <laughs> that's, that's constantly competing. So, I, I suppose one of the questions I had here was what led to such a varied amount of disciplines in your career? But clearly, it just seems like as many outlets for your competitive nature as possible, I guess. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think I think so. I, I really like, you know, new challenges and, and stuff like that. And when I when I compete in something, no matter what it is, if it's, you know, of course there's different level of uh, preparation if you're going to do table tennis with my son or if it's, you know, a competition in, in motorsport, which is really, you know, like my work. But, but I always like to prepare as good as I can and do as much research as I can. So uh, if I do it, I make sure that I have time and motivation to do it properly. Otherwise, I'd rather not do it because there's nothing as boring as doing something which you're not good at. And when you were first getting into motorsport, what was the cultural split like in terms of being in Sweden, seeing a Swede? Was rallycross the dominant form of motorsport and rallying presumably above circuit racing? Or was circuit racing fairly, you know, widely popular? Uh as when I joined motorsport 2008, I mean my father's team switched from uh, rallycross to circuit racing nationally in Sweden, '98. Uh, so we we have done that for ten years then, and I was actually a mechanic 
uh, within the team working as a mechanic there. And we actually had pit stops at the time. Was this uh, Super Touring here? Uh, yes, it was first until 2003. Uh, and then 2003, it switched to S2000. So then with the five-studded, or oh, what is it called? Uh, what was it called? When a five, uh, not central bolt. like Yeah, uh, five-stud, five-bolt PCD. Exactly. So then we actually did, uh, I was actually the gunman on left front uh, when we did the uh, pit stops uh, with the NASCAR equipment uh, from 2006 until 2007, I think. So yeah, I was working there as a mechanic. So SDCC at that time, Swedish Touring Car Championship, was actually pretty good. Beginning of 2000 years, we actually had 1,500 guests only for our team, and there was as much as 20, 25,000 20, spectators on the events. Wow. So that's pretty crazy. So then, right. yeah, national yeah, touring car championship was, was very big at that time. Uh, and rallycross was mm, yeah, not as big as it was before, but it started to come to come back a little bit in yeah from 2013 12 13 somewhere there and then at the same time as the cc started to to lose some uh yeah lose some some spectators and teams and stuff like that so uh and rally was never really any i mean i love rally rally is the coolest motorsport of them all but there was nothing it was so far away. I, I because I had there was other motorsport. It was rallycross and it was circuit racing. And I mean, Petersober, which is not far away from here, and you know, but we never had any. We didn't have those big names when I grew up in WRC, which the Swedish press was following. So mm -hmm, there was yeah. there was not really any. But but that's yeah. that's uh, that's quite um, that's quite sad actually because when I started with rally. If I could restart my career, I would start with rally. Really? Okay. But I guess I guess in that area, it would, from a Swedish point of view, it would have been Kenneth Eriksson, you know, um, uh, who would have been, you know, towards the the end of his career at that point, anyway. Yeah, yeah. But 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 that's also when when it, it's you know it's like in every country, it's up and downs with different things, you know. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. The, the nation is good at something and it then you know the next generation see that and then they you know that goes a bit in waves um but yeah now actually i mean then pontus came and you know patrick flodin and uh, pg anderson and um, frederick Olin. so there is some good rally drivers but they are they were too young for they started when i should have started <laughs> yeah uh, pg anderson for what it's worth is my shout for if I was, if I could make a bet on a, a would-be world champion who didn't get his his breaks, I think I think yeah. he'd be pretty there. He, yeah, he's, he's, he's still active as well, mm -hmm. and he's not doing a lot of testing and diving. But when he jumps into the car, if he finish, he finish first. You <laughs> <So, laughs> just need that, you know, to yeah, like you said, the break to to get that confidence and you know have the the backing that you need in rally to feel confident that you are allowed to do a couple of mistakes and then learn and grow from there on and yeah i i also think that he could be a very 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 i mean he is a very good valley driver but he could be uh, really among uh, the best of them all so in in 2008 you, you stepped up and, and started actually driving in the, the junior touring car championship what was the initial feeling get, getting behind the wheel there you know were you you know very eager to prove yourself obviously always very competitive but was your father kind of trying to restrain that a little bit at the time or 
or pushing you on or you know trying to manage your expectations a little uh, I, I I don't remember. Probably I didn't listen, so <laughs> yeah. that's why I don't remember. But but uh, yeah, we had a two car team. Uh, it was me and Pontus Tiedemann was teammates in that year. Um, so Pontus had some some rally background from doing Volvo Original Cup in, in Sweden and some cross cart and stuff. So um, yeah, my father know uh, Thomas Tiedemann, uh, Pontus' father. So. They was actually competing against each other. So then we joined uh, to, yeah, we built two golf cars. Um, and uh, yeah, we had no testing before the first uh, event. Um, and yeah, when I, when I joined for the first pre practice, I was on the, on the result, I was fastest. It was just that I had a problem with my car. So I did a shortcut on the track. Which then suited perfectly to be one second faster than anyone else. <laughs> so that was a bit. It was a bit of a, a bit of a rush going on in the service park. So after after free practice, the stewards decided that we had to weigh all the cars in the championship, and it was yeah so many things because of that. They was sure that we were cheating. But yeah, I was um, I was very motivated to. You know, to start to drive and, uh, but I had no expectations to be honest. I mean, I always been around in the service park and listened to the drivers. I mean, we had some very, very good circuit racing drivers in our team. And I, I had, uh, you know, the opportunity to, to be around and, you know, listen to all the, all the things when, when they talk to the engineers and all the technical stuff and uh, the feeling about the car and all the tactics and, you know, stuff like that. So. And and also I've been competing since I started with cross country skiing. Yeah, when I was six, seven years old. So that competitive mode has always come very natural. And then yeah, the driving was just. I mean, it is a team in the end. It's just that the difference is that I drive that time instead of st- standing in the in the pit lane in the in the service park. So. But I was not really, I mean, I was never nervous or something like that. But I, of course, I had my expectation to, to try and, I mean, the first target is always to beat your teammates. So I was, that was the target to beat Pontus. Um, but yeah, it, it started off, I think I called it P4 in the first race. Um, and, um, yeah, during the season, I, I won a couple of races and, uh, ended up P3, I think, in the, yeah, the junior, junior touring car championship. I mean, you obviously took to the uh, the circuit racing like the proverbial Dr. Water. I mean, come 2011, uh, you have that incredible season, season of winning the Swedish Touring Car Championship and the uh, Porsche Carrera Cup. I mean, that must have been nothing else. That's an incredible amount of progression within a handful of years. Yeah, I, yeah, it was. I mean, I yeah, as you said, I started 2008, 2009. I stepped up to Swedish Touring Car Championship in the Privateer Cup, uh, ended up to be P2 there. 2010, uh, my father's team took over an old project, which was started uh, from from another team, which we took over. And they already had signed drivers. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, there was no space for me to drive there. I mean, we tried to get into a third car. And I think, you know, it was uh, the, the partners that we had at the time uh, said that, yeah, we can have a third car, that's no problem uh, under one condition. And that is that Johan is not driving. Because they didn't want to have the the son of the father and the team owner to be within the team, and you know, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. So, 
then we was fighting, fighting, and then in the end, I got to drive the last three races, uh, 2010. So that was not much driving. 2011, I, I started the Porsche Carrera Cup, and I finished P2, actually, 2011. So then I was really, really, really disappointed because I thought that I'm going to be the number two driver in the championship ever, as I've been P3, P2, P2. So that was, I really, really didn't like that. But yeah, then I, um, then um, we was run, we was running my Porsche in, in the team in Porsche Gear Cup. And then uh, my father's team also run this Swedish touring car championship cars. Uh, with Frederick Eklund, uh, which is supposed to win the championship. And he just missed out with one or two points, I think. So then the project was over. There was a three-year project. Uh, but then we got extended one year to try and win the championship the year after. So then, yeah, I, I finally got to be the driver. Uh, as I did the last five events, uh, 2011, together with the Porsche, I, I actually managed to do pretty good results. So then they had some more believing that I could do something in 2012. and. Yeah, 2012, I won, I won that championship. I won also Porsche Carrera Cup, which was on the same race weekend. So I was running in between the cars, jumping into the Porsche and then to the, to the S2000 car, which was a front wheel drive, um, six speed uh, sequential gearbox, uh, yeah, with the, with the engine in the front and then jump into the Porsche, uh, with the, yeah, <laughs> tail engine and, and rear wheel drive. So that was pretty challenging, but yeah, I managed to win those uh, two championships. Uh, and then also during that year, I was driving internationally for the first time in, in Italy. So I joined the International Superstar Series uh, with the Audi RS5 together with Audi Sport Italia, with Gianni Morbedali as a teammate, a former F1 champion. Uh, no, he's not champion, he's an F1 driver. So yeah, I managed to win that championship as well. So that was pretty cool. I drive against some pretty cool names with Antonio Liuzzi, which did Formula 1 2011. So he came from Formula 1 to that series. Um, and yeah, uh, Johnny Herbert, uh, Fittipaldi, um, Mika Salo. So yeah, some, some pretty cool names. So, and there we came from absolutely nowhere. No one, know, no one had any idea of who we were. And then in the end, we were there <laughs> winning the championship. So. Yeah, that was kind of a breakthrough year uh, for me when I won all those three championships. That was that was pretty cool. Of course. And just before we move on a little bit, where did the, the family's relationship with the Volkswagen brand come from? I mean, throughout your career, you know, you've got the Porsche, the Audi, Skodas, Volkswagens, you know, right the way back historically. Where did that kind of relationship for you guys and uh, originate? Uh, it started already back in 92 when there was a Swedish boss uh, or board member or motorsport boss or something like that. I don't remember his name as well, but my father met him and got some support uh, for his rallycross project back in 92. So he was with Audi from 92 until 2007. 2008, it uh, was a new boss uh, starting in Sweden. So then, yeah, we, we joined with our golfs for 2008. Uh, 2009, uh, there was this new project starting uh, with the team that we took over uh, after 2009. But then we met this new boss for the first time. And yeah, since then, uh, we had, because we are always run as a Volkswagen dealer team in Sweden. So we are actually, we are a kind of, uh, yeah, the, the, the team from the dealers in Sweden. So there is a very strong 
community between the dealers, uh, Volkswagen dealers in Sweden, and then yeah, we have the support from them. So uh, yeah, it's been it's been some very very good partners together with uh, Volkswagen Sweden and Aon, and uh, now since 2014 we had a very good partnership with Bauhaus in Sweden. So yeah, but it started all the way all the way from from '92, and I started in the Golf 2008, and I've been driving uh, within the Volkswagen Group uh, ever since. That's incredible. Um, <clears throat> speaking of Volkswagen Group, the the move to rallycross as a discipline in in 2013 um, with the sort of Scarco. How how did you view that? I mean, were you apprehensive, or presumably your competitiveness kind of just clouded that, and it was. Now the, the story is actually that after after I won those championships, I got invited to do a DTM test together with Audi. So I joined that DTM test, and I mean I'm pretty tall. I am, uh, I'm, you, I'm one ninety two, which is six three. Um, so not ideal to do circuit racing because of the weight and uh, the size of the cars so that's why i don't do circuit racing as well so yeah. it's an affliction yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah then um, then i didn't got that seat um and then we felt or i felt to get it my heart that you know we we all we, we almost we, we felt that we we hit the dead end a little bit because the dpm was some kind of a target matthias ekstrom was driving there and and yeah, DTM at that time, 2012, was pretty, you know, high standards and it was mm. really cars. And then, yeah, we did manage to, to go to, to DTM. And then we heard the rumors about that it's going to be a world championship in uh, Rallycross 2014, potentially even 2013. Turned out to be 2014. But then we decided to yeah let's go for for rallycross and try rallycross for 2013 so we got we got an uh, Volkswagen Scirocco built uh, as TCC stopped uh, they uh, they switched from uh, from the regulation they had 2012 and went for this silhouette cars TTA cars which is like a, a space frame chassis and Volkswagen dealer team, they didn't like to join a space frame chassis with their brand on because there was, you know, it's not no DNA for in in that in those cars to compete with. So, yeah, I continue with Porsche Carrera Cup. Uh, I won that 2013 at the same time as I was starting to do some uh, some rallycross events. Uh, so I joined for the European round in Sweden, and I did some yes, some very small local. Uh, Swedish championship rounds in, in rallycross uh, in in those days. So, and yeah, I really liked it. I mean, I love the car because it's very very powerful and it's playful. And yeah, rallycross is you know where I grew up and where my father has more experience and actually as a driver as well, maybe more talented. So he he always loved rallycross. Uh, I think he likes rallycross. It's more in his blood than than racing. Uh, so yeah, we, we really liked it. And then I remember we were discussing that, you know, there's not so many world championships in, in, in the world in, of motorsport and formula one, probably not rally, probably not circuit racing, maybe, but very difficult. And then it was only rallycross then before the endurance racing was world championship as well. So then we said, okay, let's go for that. I mean, if we're going to target, we, we might, might as well target high. 
So, um, yeah, 2013 it was. Uh, and then for 2014, we got uh, Bauhaus on board, the, the dealer team uh, with the, the Volkswagen dealers. We went to Bauhaus and said, hello, we have never done rallycross before, but we would like to be world champions within three years. <laughs> we are Marvika, me and my father. And then yeah, they were laughing and said, yeah, yeah why not? Uh, let's try that. So somehow we, we just hit the right, right person and, and with the right story. Uh, so storytelling there. And then, yeah, um, we started then with the with the national championship 2014, did a couple of rounds in, in world 2014. And then we joined the full program, uh, 15 with the third place, 16 with the second place. And then, yeah, finally the fourth year then, uh, I won the world championship. From a driver's perspective, and even then from, from a technical level, being involved in setting up the car and, you know, preparing for each event, how it's obviously about as far removed from the driving style of circuit racing as you can get, obviously. Um, you know, how, how does a driver switch, make that switch and then make that a switch effective, you know, coming from circuit racing, obviously, you know, clean, smooth lines, you know, care shouldn't be moving about too much at the rear to rally cross, which is, you know, lots of opposite lock cars are in close contact and making contact quite regularly and such, you know, short sprints, you know, how, how do you adapt to that or, or, or how quickly could you and did you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, <clears throat> I, I I think I adapted quite quickly and I think it was because of, yeah, I did my research and tried to see as many onboards and videos that I could find from the outside and remembering from watching Rallycross back in the days when I was young. Uh, but what struck me first was that the heats were so short. It was, I mean, in circuit, I was used to circuit racing, which is 20 minutes. And, you know, you almost didn't even get started before you know you see the checker flag so that was the, the biggest uh, difference for me in the beginning actually very intense <clears throat> and then uh, otherwise i think rallycross is pretty much in between rally and circuit racing because there's so many rally elements in rallycross but there is also a lot of circuit racing elements within rallycross as the tarmac section, you need to be smooth and, and stuff like that. And of course, that was my strength and maybe still is my strength within Rallycross. Uh, but I uh, also have, you know, the background from the uh, taking care of the traffic and the, the racecraft of Rallycross to position your car in the right spot, not to be overtaken and do the overtakings. Um, and I think also the fact that I never... I never drove the same car for many years in a row. Like back in, in, I remember circuit racing back in the days when my father ran the team that it was a big news that someone's going to go for a BMW to a front wheel drive car the year after. And they were talking a couple of races before he got used to his front wheel drive car. I mean, in my mind, that was crazy. I had three minutes to jump from one car to the other and then try to adapt as quick as possible. And I think I, I never got into that when you, you have that in your, in your core, you know, in the back that you, you drive like this because I've done that for the last five years, you know. So I think I always had to switch, and I think that was good. And yeah, I, I always try to do as much as I can, you know, drive a four-wheeler on the ice in the winter or whatever it is, you know, do bicycle in the forest or always trying to to adapt and, and learn new things and i think that is also why i could adapt to rallycross uh, pretty quickly 
but yeah, I found myself 2015, the first year in the World Championship. And we have the Joker lap in Rallycross. So one time every heat, you have to go through a certain couple of combination of corners or maybe even one corner, which normally is on gravel. And I always spotted that Petter was Petter Solberg was always fastest in the Joker lap. And that annoyed me so much. And then I stopped thinking, why is he always faster than anyone else in that Joker lap? And I got to the conclusion that we don't drive that as often as we do on the, on the other track, which means then that uh, the track development is not the same. And uh, yeah, the layout is not the same. You, you're not used to that corner. You, you cannot have your breaking point into that corner because you cannot practice it as much. And then I figured out that it must be that Petra has done so good in rally. So then I said to my friends in even management, uh, which most of you rally guys know about with SFA Calapi and uh, Andreas Mikkelsen and Uli Christian Weiby. So then I said, okay, now I would like to try rally because I need to be better in the Joker lap. That's why I started with rally actually in the first place, to be better in, in the Joker lap in rallycross. Um, so yeah, it is, it is in between, rallycross is very much in between circuit racing and, and rally. And I think Beginning of the weekend, when the track conditions are new, a new circuit, it's closer to rally. In the end of the of the weekend, on a more circuit racing style track, dry conditions, uh, consistent track all over the weekend, it's a bit closer to the circuit racing. Um, sometimes it's even dry condition, so it's so dusty on the gravel part and very high grip on the tarmac. Uh, all the circuit racing guys are super happy, everything is happy days. And then they come with a tractor and they put water on the track and the rally guys are smiling and the circuit racing guys are crying. So then, yeah, it becomes really tricky to change in between, be very sideways and attack the gravel. And then you have to be ultra smooth on the, on the tarmac again, just within different corners. Um, so yeah, I, that's what I really, really like about rallycross. Sounds like you're, you're fully ambidextrous when it comes to motorsport. <laughs> um, I, I don't know the word, but I will Google it later. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of, of Petter, when you joined him in the, the, the Petter Solberg Polo of 2017, was that, uh, did it feel like a step up in terms of the performance and the technical capability of that car? Uh, yeah, I think <clears throat> Rallycross from 2016 to 2018, the Rallycross, the, the, the level of the cars and the uh, competitiveness in between the drivers and yeah, just the technical involvement from the teams uh, raised a lot uh, from over those two years. So yeah, when I jumped into that car, you know, in the end it was the same chassis or similar chassis built on the same polo. But it was a transversal uh, engine uh, rather than a north to south, which I had in my Polo that we built. And uh, he had no sensitive. So, yeah, it was it was different. For sure, it was a car which was more developed uh, through the rally. And, yeah, the car was just more reliable. And you could always trust that the car would, would be in one piece. And, uh, yeah, just a neater, better built car than, than the one we built back in our uh, workshop back in the days. Uh, so yeah, that that was a, was a better car, but but also with that said, you know, just to join that team uh, with all the knowledge from the guys working in the team, uh, half from from Volkswagen Motorsport and half from PSRX or or Petter Solberg team, 
the, the knowledge they had and the philosopher they had much more philosophy from rallying that the car need to be easy to drive and circuit racing is much more of a plaster to try and make the perfect setup for that track and uh yeah rally is just a completely different story of trying to set up the car for every condition and make the car as easy as possible to drive in every single corner and maybe it's not the ultimate fastest just around one lap but it's the easiest car to drive and uh yeah over four laps it will be faster so the knowledge there was was something completely new to me and then i learned so much from from them but also I mean, Peter must have been, you know, one of the best teammates I ever had from, from all the experience he had from rallying and, and my experience from rallycross uh, and circuit racing, uh, mostly circuit racing then. Uh, yeah, that was just a perfect match. I mean, I was much more looking into the details of the data, trying to go as fast as possible through one particular corner and Peter could just throw a car uh, better than anyone else. So... Yeah, that match was uh, was perfect, and there was no secrets. He he shared all the all every all the knowledge he had, and uh, yeah, just wanted the team to do as good as possible. And uh, yeah, that was very very fair play to to a champion like Petr. Speaking of the data and, and and reviewing these things, do you did you find that in terms of rallycross compared to the circuit racing, would you spend kind of more or less time? you know, reviewing these things and doing debriefs and looking at telemetry and data or spending time with the car, getting that set up right. Obviously, Rallycross is so much more compromised in terms of the conditions, obviously, with the different surfaces. Would that take a lot more preparation before events? Mm, I think, uh, <laughs> to be honest, I, I spend all the time I possibly can, no matter if it's, you know, circuit racing or Rallycross. So, you can always find things to analyze. And if you run out of uh, things to analyze, you will find a new thing. So that's no problem. You will just use all the time you can. But I think I was pretty early in, circ uh, in Rallycross when I joined Rallycross to, to look into things and try to prepare as well as possible uh, when I joined motorsport overall. Because when I, start, when I did cross-country skiing, it's very easy to, you wake up in the morning, you eat, more breakfast than normal people do in a day and then you go out for a three-hour run then you eat sleep eat again and another training session and that's not possible in motorsport and that was very strange for me when i when i started with motorsport because i wanted to practice but i cannot practice there, there's no way to to train so then i had to find other ways and try and prepare uh so then i think i was pretty early on trying to find you know videos to look at and data to analyze uh, and yeah my physical training uh, as specifically good as possible for the the racing if it's circuit racing or rallycross or whatever it can be so i think that is uh, including in my preparation uh before what i do and i think that is something that i am very good at and uh, because of the the background i had and uh in in uh cross country scheme so that like uh work ethic to to yeah arrive very well prepared to the event uh so i think uh you know it's it's no matter if it's circuit racing or if it's because i joined i mean i did world rally cross uh 15 to 7 9 18 and then 2019 i joined the wtcr uh, the world championship in, in touring car 
Um, yeah, then it was a completely, you know, it was completely different uh, to prepare for that. It was doing completely different things, but it's just as much work. The, the, the polo uh, rallycross car had uh, its origins, or at least shared a fair amount of DNA with the world rally car. Were you aware of that, or could you feel that when you were sort of getting to grips with it and, and how the data was derived and that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the car I drove 1718 was the car Yari Matti won Rally Sweden with and Rally Finland uh, 2014. So that was the actual chassis, chassis 21 that I drove. So, uh, yeah, definitely had, you know, it was still written Yari Matti on most of the parts uh, around the car. The steering column had uh, Yari Matti on it and, uh, you know, uh, Petter was driving Seb's car from 2014 as well. So, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember when I joined, you know, uh, and tried the car for the first time in January 2017. I had done the first thing I did on the evening was just to, to go back and, and search for the car on, on, you know, Rally Finland doing the jumps there with the car that I actually drove. So you could definitely feel that there was, uh, rally development going into, uh, to the cars that we, uh, that we drove, uh, on, on, on that first test. So yeah, it was, it was a cool feeling to, to join them. And I mean, Volkswagen Motorsport at that time, they just came out of four consecutive world championships, uh, in a row. And I mean, we've just been, we was in the, in the Volkswagen Motorsport family or the Volkswagen Sweden family for so many years from 2008. And, and, uh, we were watching Rally Sweden as it's just one hour drive from where I live. And, you know, just being in service park and, and see those Volkswagen motorsport jackets walking around those cars and, uh, yeah, the, just the setup that they had, uh, and just see the cars was just spectacular. I mean, you, you could, you could cut your arm to be a part of it. And then, you know, a couple of years later, I was actually there in the middle of it. And I had, had seven engineers in front of me with those jackets listening to my feedback from the car, you know, do four kilometers on the track and then they were just expecting me to to say exactly what happened with the car <laughs> over those four laps so yeah that was that was you know pinch your arm feeling that was really really cool that's incredible <laughs> um what what is so different about the launch procedure in that polo that makes it so sound so unique compared to the other supercars i should have asked richard yeah <laughs> <laughs> i did i did but he never answered me <laughs> Probably because he also didn't knew. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I probably have to get Phil Barrett on the on the podcast one day. I mean, he's he's the engineer behind the engine, so probably you will get the best answer from from Phil. Maybe so. Whether whether I'd understand it or not is another thing. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, but maybe I've been told as well, but still don't understand it. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I suspect this is going to be a similar question. Uh, do you have any insight as to, to why the intercooler in that car uh, wasn't mounted in the boot? That's his conventional wisdom. Presumably, the weight water distribution. The water cooler, yeah. It's, it's never been mounted in the front in Valley Cross <clears throat> before in supercar, as I, as I remember. But, uh, yeah, I think, I, you know, I, I suppose this inertia in the end, you know, try to, to get the weight off the back. Um, so, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's ups and downs with, you know, plus and minuses, you know, all the cars are uh, a compromise in the end. So, 
you get the weight off the back, but you get extra weight in the front instead. And in rallycross, we were lucky winning that match because it was not ideal to be in traffic, especially not the first year uh, with all the, the mud that you collect in the front of a rallycross car. In specific tracks, it was a huge challenge um, to get the water temp to be to be within uh, yeah any kind of, of good numbers. So uh, 2018 was, mu was much, much better. There was some, some development down there to be able to do it. But uh, yeah, I mean, yes, there is some plus and some minuses, but uh, I was in the team that was deciding to go with the front water cooler first of anyone. And I must admit that I was thinking, uh, is this really the right call? <laughs> But uh, yeah, it uh, turned out to, to be a good one. You trusted all those Volkswagen motorsport guys that you'd been watching for years. You said, well, yeah, they must exactly. know something. They, they must knowing what they are doing. So, uh, and yeah, uh, but, but of course, I mean, the first year it took some, it took some, some uh, different driving and you had to short shift a couple of times when the water temp got high and you couldn't follow as close as you maybe could have uh, if you, if you, pushed flat out uh, just to save the the water temperature so but 2018 they 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 got one year under their belt in, in data and analyzing that and they did a brilliant job for 2018 and 2018 you could you could be really on the bumper of of the guy in front without uh, yeah having to look for the for the water temperature uh, as a driver uh, and within those short Short races with rallycross is there's no really there's no time to hold back so uh, yeah well, that was that was well done. And 2017 then obviously was your debut or your rather your your first world championship with uh, seven victories in that season. Yeah, seven. Yeah. Um, what what was that like? I mean, maybe a silly question. Great, obviously, but you know, was you know, did you feel it was building to that by then? You know, that you had the equipment necessary to take the fight and and challenge for the victory. And you knew sitting into that car at the start of the season that, you know, you this was your year. I mean, I during the season, uh, you know, it was it was a bit of a you know dream scenario when we start winning. I won the fourth event. Ekstrom won the first three uh, in uh, Barcelona, Montalegre, and Hockenheim, and then I won the fourth event in Belgium, Mette. And uh, yeah, I was not so far off Matthias in the points in the championship. And then I, I think I took the lead two or three events later, and uh, yeah, start winning from from there on. Uh, so yeah, it was just an incredible feeling. But I, I really never believed that I'm gonna win until uh, you know you actually cross the finish line in Riga uh, when I secured the championship. So. I, I know that there's so many things can always happen and, you know, you can be unlucky, the car can break down, you can get a penalty from, from getting involved in, a, in an incident or whatever. So I never really thought about being a world champion until I actually crossed the finish line. Uh, but yeah, I, that was just an incredible feeling. And to, to join that team and to, it was such a nice, you know, team atmosphere and everything. So that was very, very cool. That was an absolute mega season. But uh, but actually, with that said, uh, we tested the car in France, January in Loyac in, in 2017. And the after the first day I drove, I went to bed uh, in the hotel room together with my father in a very, very small hotel room. And both me and my father are pretty tall guys. So 
It was when we when we lay down, you you couldn't walk in the room because it was full. Of, you know. <laughs> and then the the lights was off, and I actually said to Papa that I think this year, Papa, that I'm gonna win the world championship. So that was that was pretty cool. After the first day driving the car, but uh, obviously it's a long way from there on. And and during the year, you you never I like I said I could never hope to to be able to actually do it. But uh, yeah. Uh, somehow I just got the feeling with the car and together with the team and Petter as a teammate. Uh, yeah, I just uh, felt like this this might be a very good year. Six years on and many, many titles later, do you have a favourite well running cross title? Uh, and if so, would it be fair to say 2021 because of the, the last minute battle with, with Timmy Hansen? Uh, <clears throat> I think they are my favorites in different for different reasons. But the first one, of course, is maybe the top favorite because of that is the first one crossing the finish line the first time, being a world champion, being on the podium. You know, your your name is called out as a world champion for the first time. Nothing will beat that feeling. It's in it's impossible. But then you know, eighteen was pretty cool. I mean, won eleven out of twelve, so not cool enough to be among the tops because then I would like to win the 12th as well um, and then 2020 was cool because of that then we ran our own family team uh, but it was still with the same polo and the story of that the polo was you know so much better than all the other cars and blah 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 so then 2021 was of course a very cool year I mean started off Barcelona with incredible pace the Audi was absolutely amazing there on, on that track uh, we had some penalties, so uh, I didn't want the event. Uh, but I felt pretty confident that, yeah, okay, this this is a tool that I can fight with during the year. Uh, but yeah, Hansons are always in Rallycross and been since since uh, his father drove Canada to go against my father. So they always been around and they they always have some some tricks in the in the pocket and, and you know up their sleeves when when it need needs to be done. And uh, they're always tough competitors. So. Uh, but then we ran into so much trouble and I was so, yeah, just not going very, very well for the first couple of three, four events. Uh, so I find myself properly on the back foot. Uh, but then to do the fight back and then being able to win in, in Nürburgring uh, and with a different team, with a different car, uh, with a car that was built back in 2018, which never had a world champion uh, chip yeah. under the no one winning with Audi before. So... That was really cool. Uh, and of course, you know, being able then to build uh, a brand new electric car with our own family team. Um, yeah, so many new things. I mean, they even changed the format for Rallycross this year that it should be impossible to dominate the sport and secure the championship before the uh, before the last event. So uh, with, the, with the new points that they hand out only in the final. But uh, then be able then to, to be a part of the build uh, we build uh, the car in our workshop uh, when I where, where I built my uh, golf back in 2008, uh, just 5k from my from my workshop, so or from my home. So you know, having you know engineers like uh, like Richard sleeping in my in one of the cottage, which is just on my on my garden uh, here, uh, working on the car, and some great mechanics from from you know around the world. Uh, you know, working on that car and see the progress from the first piece uh, and then be able then to go for the first race and win that one 
and yeah, win eight out of ten events, and uh, yeah, be there together with all the engineers and all the mechanics and uh, the partners we have uh, to win the world championship. That is uh, join in Bologna together with Max Verstappen's car uh, and uh, the Toyota from from Nasser, the Toyota from the World Endurance Championship, and Callas uh, Roman Perez uh, Toyota on stage with. With the car that we built, uh, you know, ourselves, uh, just in the workshop here in Arvika, uh, in our family team. So, yeah, that, that was, uh, also a very, so probably 17 is the absolute top favorite, but then, uh, this one, 2022 is, is probably followed closest behind. See why it sounds incredible. What a roster of names and people. Fair play. Yeah. 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 That must be, yeah, incredibly satisfying as, as, as you pointed out for sure. In, 2018, obviously you dominated like almost completely that year. Only Sebastian Loeb uh, beat you. Did you feel the field was actually a bit more level though? That the polo maybe wasn't as dominant, you know, as much of a head of the field in 2018 versus 17. Uh, yeah, I think 17 we 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 had a better car than the others. Uh, maybe we had 18 as well. Uh, but I think. Uh, there is also it's very easy to say that you know some some other team had a better car, but it's also that you have to kind of look you know in your own garage and see if you can improve your own car. And I think PSRX, uh, the the work ethic within the team uh, between the drivers, uh, I think we could have had probably two or three of the other cars as well. And if we would have done the teamwork that we did with the Polo, we had. If we would have done that work together uh, with any of the other cars, uh, probably, yeah, three of the other cars in the championship, I, I think we could have uh, won just as many events as we did. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it was very very tight. But but the, the philosophy of having a car which suits all conditions and uh, a car that's easy to drive and uh, don't make it too complicated. I mean, a rally car, a circuit racing car is. You know, you, you, you can just look on a driver when a circuit racing driver jumps into a car. He needs a mechanic to tighten his belt, put the net on and wipe his shoes so they are not wet when he jumps in. And then you see the rally driver standing in Monte Carlo in full snow or in Sweden in minus 30 degrees or in Portugal in 40 plus degrees. Uh, and they are just at their own. So the car is, as FX used to say, it's built for monkeys. It should be bulletproof that there's no way to be able to you know, to mess up anything. So it's it's just easy. So think within that team, make everything as simple as possible. And, you know, the, the less strange things you have, the less uh, things can, can fail. So I think that is uh, something that was good in that team. And I think that's also why we were so successful in 17 and 18. Going back to the, the polo, what was it like going back to that car after a year out in 29, 2019 in the WTCR? Was it like just putting on an old pair of jeans again, being back to yes. where you were? And, and you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that is probably still is my favorite ever car. Uh, it's the most, like we've said, you know, touched on before that all the race cars are are a compromise from some some reason. I'm actually watching a picture of the car here now, and uh, yeah, it's just the uh, it's just the most complete car that I ever driven. Uh, so yeah, it's just an amazing car. You know, uh, doing uh, World Touring Car Championship uh, in in 19, and then 
I did some events in uh, in Rallycross 19 as well in, in our own uh, built car, but uh, yeah, jumping back into that car for for 2020, we did the first test, uh, two days test together with Richard Brown in a small track in in Sweden close to Stockholm. And yeah, like you said, it's just you jump in and everything feels so natural. You just jump in and drive and that's it. And then you just do a few tweaks here and there, play around uh, just because of the sake that you have to go uh, through a couple of uh, tires and, and fuel before your first event, more or less. And uh, yeah, just enjoy it. So uh, yeah, that was very, very cool. That's been an incredible feeling. What what were the big differences between the S one and the Polo uh, from a driver's point of view, and and did did each one take a more a, a unique approach and dialing them in kind of setup wise? Uh, yeah, I think the Audi has you know as it's built uh, a little bit. I mean, some of the parts are uh, more based on the Skoda S two thousand, so the car has more. It has a little bit more of compromises. Uh, to to be done to be fast on the track so it needs a little bit more of setup work to be fast for for specific tracks um but uh, yeah some features on the audi we we never got as good on the polo as we had on the audi uh, so yeah in barcelona particularly and in france uh in, in loyac i think uh, the audi was actually the faster car than than the polo so yeah, some some things were incredible on the like the rear grip of the Audi is something yeah I don't know from a different planet, uh, but yeah then obviously you have other things which is which is not as good as on the on the Polo, uh, but uh, it it does take a little bit different approach but in in terms of driving, uh, but obviously also you try and adapt the setup and the car for for your own driving style and for your own preferences. Um, and in the end, you know, I, I got the Audi uh, to fit my driving and, and all of that stuff with just uh, just some very, very, you know, not not big things to change, but uh, but, you know, it's minor tweaks. And, and I, I got, you know, very comfortable in the Audi uh, before even the, you know, the first race event as well. So. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, without, uh, we had some technical issues. We had some, I actually, I did a mistake in Hullius to go to Pancho in the semi-final and we had a dri broken drive shaft in, in Loyak. Uh, otherwise I think those two events would have been very good as well. And then it, it would have been a little bit easier to, to fight for the championship. But, uh, but yeah, they are, they are a little bit different, but in the end, they are, they are quite similar as car, uh, as well, actually. The biggie, uh, and I guess it's almost the elephant in the in the room. How difficult a switch was it going from internal combustion to all electric for twenty twenty two? I mean, as a driver, just when you if you would park the two cars in between each other, you know, on the on the on the start line, and then you do a couple of laps in the internal combustion, and then you jump straight into the other car. Uh, finally, when they are dialed in, like if I would do it now, when when the electric car has one year under its belt and you know we have we have dialed it in uh as a driver it's much less than i could ever expect um yes you don't have you don't have the gears you don't have the clutch uh but other than that it's it's incredible how how similar they are and i think 
it is because of that, you know, you have that instant torque of the electric car. But the thing is that the instant torque on the, on the internal combustion engine cars, which were so good with the anti-lag system and with all the development that's been done the last couple of years in the rallycross engine, that it turned out to be so good as well that it's almost like an electric car. I mean, you can drop it so low on RPM and it will still pull. So uh, in terms of that, it's it's very similar. But then if you go more into depth and into details, you know, in terms of that the center of gravity is lower on the electric mm-hmm. car, the battery, uh, the fact that uh, there is no, we have no prop shaft on the car. So there is one engine in the front living its own life and then one in the rear. So sometimes the, the feeling of the car is that you drive a rear wheel drive car, sometimes in the next corner or 10 meters later in the corner, it feels like you drive a front wheel drive car. And then all of a sudden, when you go to the gravel and all the four wheels uh, or, you know, front and rear engine has power enough to spin always, it feels like a four wheel drive car. So, and then of course the braking is very different when you, when you don't have any prop shaft. So the rear, the rear wheels lives a little bit its own life. So it's a bit more like a touring car to brake. Uh, and that can be very challenging on, on changing grip surfaces. Uh, on the gravel and tarmac, but uh, yeah, I mean, in the end, it's uh, just some small minor uh, adaption for for the drivers, and it's not so bad. Do you miss the noise? Oh, very much. (laughs) (laughs) Who does not miss the noise of a rallycross car or a motorsport car in in general? I mean, standing, uh, listening to the to the final when there's six cars uh, standing on, on, you know, seven and a half thousand RPM uh, with a silencer, which makes no difference because there's <laughs> nothing in there. And, uh, yeah, that just gives you goosebumps. So uh, I definitely miss the noise. And also the the gear shifts. Of course, you miss the gear, the, the sound of the gear shift. And you can stand listening if someone had improved their gear cut or not, or, you know, the ALS and uh, all of that stuff. Of course, I miss that a lot, definitely. So, uh, but in the end, you know, for me, when I'm on the race weekend, uh, I don't think about it because of that, you know, I'm so, I I just want to win. With Mm -hmm. sound or not, you know, it's my job to win and I'm there to win. So, uh, you know, then it doesn't disturb me. But, But of course, you know, when you, when you start uh, a rallycross car, or uh, as we work now pretty much with rally in our workshop uh, at the moment for the winter rally, you know, when you start the R5, you know, all the mechanics being used to the electric car for the last couple of months, you know, just put a smile on their face straight away, just, you know, on idle. So definitely missing the noise. Obviously, rallycross is very suited to EVs, you know, because the the format itself, obviously, you don't have to compromise the car as much with weight because the range isn't needed. And and more and more national championships are allowing uh, the electric formula. Will KMS still continue development of internal combustion cars also? I mean, we will try and target to to run the, the Rally X Nordic Championship for 2023 uh, as a preparation for the for the World Championship. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I mean, we are still doing rallying now with, uh, with Ole Christian uh, Veidi in, in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, it's not that we will, you know, completely stop to do internal combustion engine cars. Uh, we will, we will still do a couple of event, events with that. And, uh, yeah, the Euro, Euro rallycross is still 
internal combustions and it will be for for uh, many more years i hope so uh yeah i mean we will um uh, we will uh, definitely still have some internal combustion engine cars uh, within our uh, workshop and on that subject looking ahead to, to rally is it something that you foresee yourself doing a lot of in the years to come r5s or otherwise Unfortunately, not. Uh, I mean, I think I had the, the peak of my rally rallying intensity uh, 2019 when I did the the Swedish, when I did the WTCR. Then, of course, which was like my main job, and then <clears throat> I did the the Swedish uh, national championship in rallying. Uh, but uh, this, you know, then I jumped in to do Arctic rally. It was it 20. 2020 yeah probably 2020 but or 21 maybe but the thing is that rallying is not fun when you cannot prepare uh, like you should do um you can jump into rallycross and you know be competitive pretty straight away if you do a couple of you know test days and you know on the track that you drive and this and that uh and but rallying is completely different i mean you have to to keep alive the pace notes uh the work together with your co-driver uh being consistent on on making the pace notes and uh, yeah it's it's different so uh yeah i jumped in to do that arctic rally and i i, I know that i can do so much better than what i did and i just could not handle that so then uh you know for me as a, as a, it was actually easier to to find budget and partners to do rallying before I got to be world champion in rallycross because then if you go and ask for for budget to do rallying now they ask why can't we just do rallycross instead because you are not good at rallying why you don't do rallycross instead <laughs> that's because that's really fascinating. <laughs> so, well, actually easier before but. Um, but yeah, rallying is—it's uh, not fun when you when you don't get the pace notes, uh, you know, flowing and when it's fun. Uh, I mean, I did Javascular rally and finished P three in the WRC two or three class or whatever it is, the R five class, uh, two thousand nineteen. And yeah, drive there the last day when you get into the into the mode of the Finland rolls and get to grips with uh, with uh, you know the pace notes after you know two days of driving before. Uh, it's just the best. It's just the best motorsports. It's so cool. I mean, you have to be so complete driver, and it's so much work you can do and preparation before. And yeah, it's just it's just the coolest uh, coolest motorsport in my opinion. And uh, I like I said earlier, I, I wished I started rallying much much earlier. And uh, but now you know it's uh, it's difficult to to find partners to do that much rallying that I would need to do and preparation to to be competitive. Uh, and uh, yeah, if I'm not competitive, I rather, you know, be standing on the side, uh, as I'm actually doing now as been working, uh, like an, like an engineer actually, or I cannot say that I'm working as an engineer because I have, I have no, I, I don't, I'm, I don't have enough high school points to say that I'm an engineer, but I'm working as, as a, you know, try and uh, be the the partner with uh, Uli Christian, uh, the the one that Uli Christian speaks with uh, with the setup of the car uh, in Valley Sweden last year, and uh, will also be uh, this year. Uh, so, 
yeah, as I've been driving the the Polo R5 quite much myself, and he drives that car now, you know, it's we speak more or less the same language uh, about the setup changes and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, uh, actually, last year I, when Uli Kisner was in the fight for the win together with Andreas, uh, I really, really enjoyed that fight as well. From from being uh, a different part uh, again from when I was young as a, as a mechanic and and uh, you know a team member uh, as driving myself. Your uh, your bribe for confirming rallyings that the coolest motorsport discipline should be in the post soon. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's uh, it's just incredible. I mean, you can just uh, it's very easy if you take a, if you take a, a circuit racing driver and throwing him to a rally car and see how well he will do, and then you throw a rally driver into a circuit racing car and see how well he will do, and then it's pretty quickly you will understand how complicated rallying is. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's just, you, know, you can just look at the calendar and understand that they do tarmac, they do mixed mixed surfaces, they do uh, uh, snow, they do, you know, all sorts of kind of things. And to win that championship, you must be a very, very complete driver. Well put. <laughs> So before we wrap things up, what what are the the plans for the year ahead? Then is preparation in full swing? Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, like uh, you know, for Christophson Motorsport, the plan is to to do. I will try to do the Rally X Nordic, uh, the first couple of events at least, uh, if not the full championship. Uh, but the first three events of Rally X Nordic, which is five. Uh, is before the the rally cross uh, world championship starts so it's a pretty good like a warm-up or you know get uh, get up to speed with with traffic and, and rally cross driving in general uh before the season kicks uh, kicks off with uh, with the electric world championship and so that's the plan and then uh, yeah i'm still working on to uh, continue with the extreme e uh, so i would i would very much like to to continue uh, with that as well, uh, but that that is still work in progress, and it's nothing hundred percent clear yet. But but I will at least try to aim for that. Um, and then after, if I'm managing to secure those three things, uh, the calendar starts to be pretty full. So I think that that will be it. <laughs> and then of course, I will do the race of champions now in next week. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's actually right around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, Sebastian. You know, Sebastian Loeb, a pretty good rally driver, actually won the event. Yeah. <laughs> I bet he's done rather well. Yeah. So <laughs> he, he almost won a decade in a row uh, of world championships. So <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully he will come back. Uh, and then, yeah, I will uh, enjoy that event. Um, and then two weeks later, I will then be with Uli Christian. Uh, working uh, when he will do the Rally Sweden, and uh, yeah, from there on, I think it will be a pretty pretty hectic year. Sounds like it. Uh, yeah. Well, we wish you the best of luck, mate. Thank yeah. you. Johan, thanks so much again for coming on. Uh, we 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 better leave it there. I know it'll be getting late over in your neck of the woods. Um, best of luck for the year ahead. You've been an absolute treat to have on. Uh, really enjoyed it. And thank you again for your time. Um, it's been fantastic. And uh, yeah, wish you the, the very best of luck for the year to come. Thank you very much. And I'm looking forward to to listen to the first season you have. And then also for the for the coming podcast that you will do. And uh, yeah, and uh, be happy to, to be invited to the podcast.
You're too kind. Thank you, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for listening to Rally DNA. It's been Johan Christofferson on with us and uh, Jamie and myself will be back in a week's time only to discuss our picks for our favourite Rally Sweden of our lifetimes. Thanks so much again for listening and goodbye. But this race is all about Johan Christofferson. He's the world champion for 2022 for the fifth time of asking the FIA World Rallycross Championship goes to Johan Christofferson. It's his seventh win of the season. Yeah.